Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. This is show 130, released on October 28th, 2015. My name is Steve Eunice, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Scotty V. Hey, Scotty. Hello, Steve. Hi, everybody out there in podcast land. I guess that's a phrase we can use, right? Yes, definitely. And we should say off the bat that uh, we are proudly sponsored by our good friend and uh, Superman fan extraordinaire, Patrick O'Neill. Patrick O'Neill, yes. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you. Okay, now we move on to um, a very busy month this past month. Uh, We've... uh, We've had a lot going on, especially in the TV world. It seems that uh, we should be calling ourselves the Supergirl homepage these days. Yeah, well, there's a lot of excitement around it. They even have a new uh, kind of makeover for the uh, the uh, DC Universe online game. Wow, yes, uh, that's right. Yes, they had a, uh, a costume and that uh, released all about that, uh, tying into that. But uh, as we like to do, we try to tie, start with movie news with Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice probably the biggest thing that fans are hanging out for uh, coming March next year. Uh, We don't have a lot of material to discuss about Batman v Superman, but what we do have uh, is this, well, I I guess it was an update, a post, um, about the production or the post-production wrapping on the film by one of the the special effects crew. Um, I think his name... Just quickly having a look through, um, was Ray Sean. Uh, he recently updated his Instagram account to announce that his team had wrapped up their work on all the special effects for the movie, and thanked everyone in his team for all their hard work. And says it was you know one of the the you know a uh, dream job to work on, um, and you know it was very exciting. But uh, strangely, a couple of days later, he actually deleted his account completely, and I don't know uh, what that means, but um, very interesting turn of events. Yeah, that is kind of strange because he's not, it's not as if he gave something away. Even, let's say they're not finished. Um, I don't think he would get into trouble for saying <laughs> we were finished if we weren't finished. Uh, maybe they fired him because he put it's a bat rap on, his, on the picture <laughs> that he released, you know, because I was a little angry about that myself, but... Uh, uh, you know, more of the focus on Batman. But, yeah, I can't see why he would need to delete his entire account for that. Mm, there was a bit of uh, material that uh, or information that he did uh, go on about when someone asked him about whether or not he worked on a 3D model for Doomsday. Uh, Sean, uh, uh, Ray Sean replied that, unfortunately, he's not in the film, maybe in the Man of Steel sequel or Justice League film, who knows, was his response uh, so kind of all the news stories that abounded after that were Doomsday, not in Batman v Superman after all, all these kind of headlines all about that. Uh, I mean, we weren't really sure if Doomsday was in it or not. It's just been a, a real lot of speculation about that. But maybe he got into trouble for replying or responding to any details, um, you know, and interacting with the fans on that kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know either, especially if he's not in the film. Um, or if he is, I don't. It doesn't seem to me like they are trying to show us that he is, or that they probably wouldn't want us to know if he was anyway. So somebody saying he's not can only help. Yeah, I would think. But we'll whatever. I guess it's cool to be finished with a few months left before the film opens. I don't. Uh, other than marketing, I guess that's all that's left to do. Yeah, and I'm guessing the musical score. I'm sure Hans Zimmer's. Uh, 
getting towards the end of doing that now, um, working with all his compatriots, um, uh, well, you know, Junkie XL and those guys on all the, the music for the film. I guess that would probably be the final thing now that the, the special effects are all done and, uh, you know, the editing and all that kind of things are locked down. Um, and maybe there's some, I don't know, ADR stuff, who knows. But uh, it's uh, getting very close. Uh, there's lots of uh, promotional material going on around. Uh, some viral marketing's kicked off this past month, and that started with a, an article on Lex Luthor uh, at uh, fortune.com, all about Lex's background, that his, uh, you know, his age, his, about his father, the fact that he's Lex Luthor Jr. Um, and uh, it was a, a very interesting article, I guess, uh, mainly, of course, of the fact that um, it's all about Lex Luthor. You'd think the viral marketing might be about Superman or Batman or Bruce Wayne or what have you, but it's great to see that all the viral marketing at this stage of the game seems to be centered around Lex Luthor. I, I was very excited to see it. I, uh, you know, Lex Luthor, I think, is, can be one of the coolest characters there is you know, when he's done in a really cool way. I'm not sure that this is the way that I mean when I say very cool way. We haven't seen the movie yet, so we can't really tell. Uh, but I'm very interested in all of this uh, cool uh, LexCorp stuff that's been coming out as if it's a real company. You know, the uh, uh, the what LexOS that came out mm -hmm. at Comic-Con and um, all these ads for it and how it's going to change the world and kind of like a Windows type of thing or, or something like that. Um, and the uh, the Fortune article, even though it did reveal that he was Lex Luthor Jr., which doesn't mean a hell of a lot because he's still going to be the Lex Luthor, the one that is enemies with the Justice League and Superman and mm -hmm. the one that will be a thorn in his side going forward, we assume, unless they... Do something silly that comic book movies sometimes do, and that's kill the villain. Uh, Man of Steel was guilty of it. Um, and we may see, you know, who knows, that that kind of thing they seem, you know, the original Batman movie, they did it. They did it in the Batman trilogy several times. Uh, as if, uh, you know, in the comics we see these villains come back again and again and again. And I've had arguments and discussions with people saying, well, yeah, but if these heroes were really smart, they would do away with the villains because each time they just stop them and let them go then they go out and they hurt and kill more people so then isn't the blood on the hero's hands then mm. um but i always argue of course that they are supposed to work within the confines of the law so they go with whatever society expects them to do in terms of bringing the villains in but the idea that lex luthor can continue to come back and do things because his strength is he doesn't follow any law while the superhero's weakness may be that they follow all the laws so that they can't do what they might want to do and there have been many times in the comics of course where superman has wanted to do uh harm to uh, villains and a lot of people complain well that's not superman he doesn't want to do that i think it's more superman i think the idea that he has very human feelings but he is he is he rises above the way his emotions want him to mm -hmm. act so we get to see lex Luthor come back again and again the problem now of course is that uh i just don't understand why they needed to go that route and since they don't usually give us any answers i don't know that we'll ever understand why did they have to have him be lex luthor jr what does that add to it what does that change that it couldn't have just been john luthor or lachlan luthor or, or lionel, lionel or <laughs> yeah. whatever why did it have to be uh that he's lex luthor jr maybe it's because he's trying to 
um, come out from under the shadow of his father who has the same name or make a name for himself. Maybe that's part of his makeup, part of uh, what uh, drives him. But uh, in the Fortune article, it says that Alexander Joseph Lex Luthor Jr. is a 31-year-old wonderkind who transformed an aging petrochemical and heavy machinery dinosaur into a tech darling of the Fortune 500 in what some call a superhuman feat. Uh, also goes on to say, this jeans-wearing genius is equally at ease repelling the climbing wall in his employee inspiration station and coding in the Crucible, the cutting-edge R&D lab where the baby-faced billionaire verbally extemporizes computer code like Miles Davis improvising a trumpet solo. So uh, very um, colourful language there about uh, Lex Luthor. Other than the jeans-wearing, I think that that's incredible. You know, the idea that he's athletic... He's climbing the wall, and he's also very smart. He's coding computer language, so all of that works for me. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure about the jeans wearing thing or why he has to be someone who wears jeans. I guess they're trying to make him contemporary. Yeah. But I don't see why he couldn't wear suit. a suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess they're trying to make him like a, um, you know, like the the modern day kind of. Um, you know, um, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Uh, what's the guy that uh, he played in uh, the Facebook movie? Oh yes, Mark uh, Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. Yeah. So that kind of molding him after that kind of current day, you know, media mogul. Uh, sorry, um, you know, um, billionaire, computer tech whiz, uh, CEO. That kind of thing, where it's more hip and happening than uh, probably the old days of Donald Trump type of characters. Which then adds credence to people's complaint that he's they simply just brought the character over from the social network right. and are just having him play the same guy <laughs> uh, which uh, can be a typecasting type of a thing although uh, i guess there's been a couple of articles recently that uh, you know one where uh, eisenberg himself came out and uh, spoke about how much cooler and of course this is you can look at this two ways you can go wow it's really great he thinks it's cool or you can go uh, great. So he's he's he he's looking down on comic book movies, but this one's different because it's so much better or so much deeper or the character has so much more depth or something like that. Mm. Which is why I think that article said that he uh, he's really happy with it and it's really different than what you would expect and it's not like any comic book movie he's seen or whatever. The idea that he's down on all other comic book movies, but that that this character in this movie is, is special and good, and mm. and then the other a, article that yeah. came out that said that uh, the the script was somehow changed in order to fit Jesse Eisenberg as Luthor. Yeah, well, supposedly that they had him, um, you know, auditioning for a different role, and then uh, when they saw him, Zack Snyder saw him and saw the way that he, uh, you know, the character or the the, the range of his. Acting that they decided to uh, instead uh, retrofit uh, the, the the part to for him to play Lex Luthor, and uh, I guess that says a lot about uh, his uh, portrayal. If uh, if Zack Snyder saw something different or saw something edgy or whatever that he thought would fit, fit Lex Luthor better than whatever role he was initially going for, who even knows? Maybe Lex Luthor wasn't that heavily involved, or maybe he wasn't. I don't know what it said exactly, but. If if just his demeanor caused Zack Snyder to rethink his whole idea and and say why not him for Lex or why not a Lex that acts this way or mm. maybe that's why we're getting the because again I've said before Jesse Eisenberg is kind of 
the same type of a character, even if he's not Mark Zuckerberg, his kind of attitude and the way he talks and the way he acts and sort of um, he sort of is typecast in that area, it seems to me. Mm, mm. And maybe Zack Snyder saw that and thought this would really work for a new contemporary version of Lex. Now, we also had an official LexCorp website launched, and as you said, with LexOS, this new operating system, and uh, LexCorp was um, involved with current Comic-Cons, one in London just recently, and before that, obviously, the New York Comic-Con, where LexCorp was responsible for providing the Wi-Fi at that convention, and um, the LexCorp website has all about the, the upcoming LexOS, and you could register for a while to, with your email address uh, to receive information about LexCorp and the new LexOS. And so there seems to be a lot happening there with the viral marketing for LexCorp Industries and the website and this LexOS, whatever it might be. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I like. I was very impressed the last time around with Man of Steel uh, with the Zod viral marketing and things. So I like to see that continuing here. And as I said already, I like that it's this tech situation going on with uh, Lex and LexCorp. All right. So uh, that's what's happening with LexCorp as far as viral marketing is concerned for this movie. But uh, we also had uh, some behind-the-scenes photos emerge uh, thanks to an article uh, where uh, in a magazine, if I'm... Correct. I think it's Total Film. Total Film magazine. That's right. It's uh, out on newsstands now. Uh, we saw about four or five, uh, three or four photos from behind the scenes. You can actually see the cameras and Zack Snyder in some of them, and familiar scenes. Most of them that have been in the trailer uh, look looking pretty cool. I was uh, impressed with the photos and uh, the you know the the production value and uh, obviously he's going into this film. I uh, went to the store the day that that was posted and. Um, they still have October in there, uh, and it's Bond is on the cover. So I was really disappointed that yeah. I couldn't get it. I also didn't get any of the Man of Steel ones uh, when they were out because every time I go, it, it seems like they're not in yet. It's and I believe it's a November cover or it might be a December cover, mm. uh, and it's just not. I don't think it would have sold out because they had five or six of the James Bond ones and they looked brand new. Yeah, I think uh, this issue of Total Film was available from Friday, October 23rd, so some newsstands might be slow in changing over their um, their issues, but um, look out for it. Uh, Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman are on the cover. A great of, picture on the yeah, cover, too. Exactly, of this uh, particular issue, and uh, there's a you know, detailed article inside with, as I said, some behind-the-scenes photos, uh, which were actually the cover was actually revealed by Henry Cavill himself. Henry is now on social media, on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, so uh, there are official accounts that have been approved and, and uh, you know, uh, sanctioned, or whatever you, uh, they are definitely Henry Cavill. And so uh, those links are on the website October 21st if you're looking for those links on the Superman homepage for Henry Cavill's Facebook and Instagram accounts. I don't know, he'll be too active, but it's cool that he was the one to first reveal this cover photo for the Total Film magazine. It's kind of interesting that with all the secrecy around it and you know all these things we talk about, people have non-disclosure agreements and how can these costume people you know, tell us about things that they're not supposed to tell us about. And this guy who deletes his entire account because he might have said something. We don't know if that's the case, but mm. we speculate that he must have said something or spoken out of turn or out of... It's kind of surprising that unless they gave him the go-ahead that Henry would come out and, and talk about the prologue of the movie. 
Yeah, well, he has done that uh, in uh, as well, and that's actually part of the interview that's in the Total Film magazine, and I guess that Total Film first gets approval to go in there and interview the cast and crew, and then um, I'm guessing Warner Brothers would have to approve um, any uh, quotes and things that go into the article. Um, but uh, basically, uh, Henry Cavill says, what happens, there is one of Bruce uh, Bruce's buildings gets destroyed, which we know from the trailer, and he's trying to save all the people inside the building, and he can't. So he is this angry person who fears what Superman may do. Why are they just going to trust this super-powered alien? What if he does decide to turn against us? So I guess that's nothing too uh, revealing in that. We knew from the trailer that it was obvious that Bruce Wayne was there during the battle between Superman and Zod in Metropolis, as seen in Man of Steel, and that uh, it would have to be a flashback or something. And so the fact that it's a prologue, I guess, kind of makes sense and isn't really too spoilerish. Well, wasn't there something also in there about how this is a bitter fat man who uh, has a lot of anger and, and it's kind of misplaced and, and, and the way Alfred's been treated and things that have happened to him, which we don't know about yet, that have helped to drive this anger and this is yeah. then why he decides to wage a battle on Superman? That was a quote from Ben Affleck, actually, where in the same article he says he's found, meaning that Batman or Bruce Wayne has found himself in a place of harboring a tremendous amount of rage for Superman. So it's how he got there and what's that, what that's done for him and what that's done to people around him, like Alfred, who are, I think, very scared and worried for him. It's something that's interesting and new. So I guess that's just uh, expanding a little bit more on the fact that uh, from that event in Metropolis that Bruce Wayne is then therefore uh, very um, distrusting and, and angry towards Superman and what has happened during that battle there in Man of Steel, which I guess is something a lot of fans have kind of reacted to from Man of Steel itself in, as, you know, as, as to the damage and uh, destruction caused by that fight with a very, as we've spoken about many, many times, uh, a very um, new and, um, uh, what's the word, a- amateur Superman. He's never been a superhero before, so it's, um, it's you know, to be expected, I guess. Well, you know, if you look at the comics, how many times have buildings been trashed downtown? Yeah. How many times has the Daily Planet fell apart and the globe's yeah. fallen oh. off? I even did it in Superman Returns yep. as kind of an homage to the times we've seen it. Uh, sometimes it's out of your control when you're fighting that kind of a uh, basically unstoppable force such as yourself. Although mm. my memory is that the building that actually – you know the, the, what they show in the preview. It appears to be Bruce Wayne looking at the building and the heat vision from Zod coming out. Mm-hmm. Now he can't see the two uh, Kryptonians inside, so he's looking and he just sees the heat vision, which I assume he later knows that Superman has. And then he sees the building, uh, I guess, fall apart. But my memory is that it was a building that was under construction. They landed on the top of it first. Uh, Zod made some snarky comments, and then they ended up fighting through it, and it was empty because there were holes in the walls and there were holes in the floors, and the building wasn't complete or it was being added to. Or do they? I don't. I'm no expert in construction, but do they keep lower floors filled with people working while they've got big machinery up on top and they're adding new floors or doing construction on the building or? Was there a building next to it that we, in my memory, did not see destroyed? Uh, because it, it seems to me that, and I, I thought that when they showed it in the preview, is he mad that a Wayne 
building got destroyed that cost him a lot of money to build or that there were people inside. And and if, if they're going to do a little history changing and say that there were people in there and Superman did nothing to help them, then that would annoy me as well. But I, I, I didn't look that way in the movie. Mm, no, it didn't at all. It first looked like it was a construction site and had that how many days of um, you know uh, accident-free days and all that kind of stuff signage. So I guess there could have been workers inside, but... Um, or office space down in the lower floors that had been completed. I don't know, but uh, I guess uh, at the time they had considered it being a construction site and maybe now, as you're saying, they're retrofitting the history of it to uh, move forward with their plans for Batman v Superman. Uh, maybe there, you know, there were people inside. But even then, if there were, it's not like some Superman was able to stop a lot of this stuff happening. Uh, as we said, it was out of his control and um you know he, he was wasn't able to t- take the fight uh you know away from the city so to speak so anyway we can we go around in circles with this debate over and over again but um we that's what we know from total film magazine there have been other quotes and other articles and actually there have been scans from some websites of the complete pages which we don't condone because it's obviously copyright material but uh if you're so inclined you can find that out there or do what you should do and go out and buy this issue of Total Film Magazine and read it for yourself. Uh, it was an excellent uh, cover to collect. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to getting it if I can find it. Yeah. Now, uh, we had uh, previously we've spoken about the fact that there was uh, rumours of George Miller, the director of uh, Mad Max Fury Road and other films, that he was supposedly in line to do a Man of Steel sequel, Man of Steel 2, if you will. Uh, they were back and forth. Oh, no, it's not going to happen. It's been put on permanent hold. Zack Snyder had some comments about, well, no, I haven't chatted with him, but that would be really cool. I'd love to talk to him. And uh, George Miller then came out this past month and has kind of stamped out uh, any ru- any uh, truth to those rumours, saying that he's actually not really interested in doing any big-budget films for the foreseeable future. He's kind of burnt out on... Uh, Mad Max Fury Road and would uh, like to step back and do some smaller films but uh, you know he could be just uh, just kind of allaying any of those kind of rumours so, so that you know, people don't talk about it too much but uh, he's kind of stamped out that rumour now and uh, we can uh, kind of take him at his word and uh, and you know wait and see what happens if anything with a possible Man of Steel 2 I think we sort of knew yeah. when it was coming out that these were just people speculating and talking about things and you know i think it was last year or maybe it was even before man of steel where we kind of said that speculating was sort of our word of the year mm-hmm, uh, that's right uh, same kind of thing here and and i guess it happens with every big cult followed movie like a like a harry potter or a or a, any superhero type of a movie people like to try and come up with a you know, doomsday might be here you know, Zack Snyder's son's going to play Robin. Right. All these kinds of things that people just like to throw around because they're excited. And yeah. they like to kind of, oh, what if he did this? Or oh, what if they did that? You know, and uh, so I think it's normal. And it could also still be, as you say, that maybe he's just saying that to kind of throw people off the trail or maybe something will come of it later on. But uh, as of now, it makes sense that it was just someone who maybe overheard something or thought they heard something or just wanted to talk about it because it was exciting. Yeah, exactly. It could be something that uh, they've just brought up just to, uh, you know, a bit of clickbait. But um, uh, we, you know, it did come from John Schnepp, who we know um, did the um, Superman Lives documentary, uh, where he heard it from or how he, you know, got onto that. We don't know, but... Uh, we can only report on what we hear and uh, try to work out in the wash 
what is actually truth. But um, let's move on from Batman v Superman. We've got everything wrapped up on that. We're very keen to see a possible new trailer coming out uh, soon, hopefully, this month, uh, before the end of the year, definitely. So uh, let's uh, keep our fingers crossed for more from Batman v Superman. Dawn of Justice comes out March next year. Um, I was interested to read an article uh, in an Australian magazine that uh, it's released here March 24th, uh, where in the US it's March 25th. So with time differences, that's uh, almost a day and a half ahead of uh, the US. Look at you guys! Didn't you get um, super, didn't you get Man of Steel early too, or no? Um, I, I, I think when there's worldwide releases on a particular day, um, that's you know because of just the time difference, because we're ahead by like ten hours or something. Uh, that's just a logistical thing. We just get it uh, if it's the same day release. Um, movies usually release here on Thursdays. I don't know about the US. What day is the usual release date there? Um, usually Friday, but okay. then that. Oftentimes includes Thursday, and then sometimes they release Wednesday if right. it's like a holiday Advanced weekend screenings. or something like that. Star Wars is coming out on Friday the 18th, but there are evening shows on Thursday the 17th. So I guess technically it's coming out on Thursday the 17th, but the release date is listed as December 18th. Yes. So uh, generally you look forward to new movies on Friday, but Wednesday is also a day. And then if they're out on Friday, sometimes they have... Uh, Thursday shows screenings as yeah, well, all that so, kind of stuff. So I'll wait and see. I'm going happens. Thursday the 17th at 7:30 to see cool. Star Wars myself. So I'll technically be seeing it before it's released. Nice, nice, <laughs> very cool. All right, well, let's move on to TV stuff. And uh, the TV world has been dominated for Superman fans by the upcoming, well, now released uh, pilot episode of Supergirl on CBS. Uh, we're recording this on the day of its release, uh, just a couple of days ahead of our release of the podcast. Uh, and uh, the Supergirl pilot for you guys listening to this has aired, uh, which is very exciting. Uh, I think you've seen... Have you seen the leaked pilot? Scotty? I have not seen the leaked pilot. Cool. Um, okay, but, very uh, good I'm, restraint I'm, I'm on your behalf. Yeah, now that it's about here, I'm, I'm very excited that I didn't watch it, and I'm looking forward to hopefully getting my girls to sit down and watch it. Lexi seemed uh, more excited. She's five years old. When I showed her the trailer, she then, you know, we watched it on YouTube, and, and when it ended, my YouTube account came up, and one of the latest uh, Speeding Bulletin videos was the <laughs> one where Melissa Benoist is taking a bite out of that super cookie or super cake or whatever it is, and Lexi said, I want to watch that one, the one where she's eating a cake, the birthday one. <laughs> Uh, and I said, well, that's not really – that's something else, but it's coming. We'll watch it together. So it seemed like she was pretty excited, so I'm hoping – sometimes it's hard to get her to sit and kind of watch a story where, you know, there's going to be a lot of scenes where Kara is in the office or they're talking right. or there's not More adult stuff. any heavier action or Supergirl in her costume flying around being Supergirl stuff going on. But yeah. hopefully uh, the two of them, Chloe as well, will sit down and watch it with me and uh, – uh, I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Yeah, well, we're uh, looking forward to the pilot episode of Supergirl and the reactions uh, from that from the fans. Um, our review of the pilot episode is up on the Superman homepage already uh, if you'd like to check that out. Uh, most of the reviews for the pilot episode have been really well received. Um, all the major you know, news outlets, USA Today, uh, Hollywood Reporter, um, uh, New York Times have all had very positive reviews for the pilot episode of Supergirl, 
and all the promotions for the pilot episode and for the series itself from CBS have been nothing short of spectacular and really well done. Uh, massive billboards, you know, uh, 3D hologram projections on the sides of buildings. Uh, she, um, Melissa Benoist has appeared on Ellen. She's done different talk shows and interviews and uh, there have been lots of online videos for people to sink their teeth into and it's just been really well marketed. I'm really impressed with the way CBS have done this. Yeah, it's just everywhere and she's everywhere yeah. and there's pictures of her all over the place and, uh, you know, on Twitter you get a countdown every day yep. and so it's it's really, it's cool and it's it's heartening to see them putting so much time and energy into marketing, although sometimes later when something's seen as a failure like Superman Returns or something, they go, well, they put so much money into that uh, to try and market it. Same with Man of Steel, we hear a lot. Uh, so much went into trying to market it that they really didn't make the money they wanted to or that it wasn't enough or that it was considered a box office failure, even though when we look at it from the outside, we go, well, over $100 million, over $200 million, what do they want? Yeah. But if it costs them $100 million or $200 million to market a movie, then that money goes right to that. But it's nice to see that it does seem like everybody's kind of excited and pushing uh, at CBS and DC and Warner Brothers and everybody for this show that it's uh, all over the place. So yeah. hopefully that really helps. And, and, you know, I think it's also – it seems to me – that a big part of it is is that it's uh, a, a a female role model mm. for kids and a show for families in a situation where it's gonna it's gonna be a feel good show it's gonna be a positive show it's gonna be an uplifting inspirational show a lot of the complaints I heard about Man of Steel were that it wasn't inspirational or that it wasn't uplifting or that it didn't have a didn't leave you with a good feeling see all indications seem to be. That uh, from the actress cast as Supergirl uh, through the the preview stuff that we've seen, that it's going to be a very positive type of an experience. For sure. And we also saw beyond the pilot episode that CBS has released uh, photos and descriptions for uh, a number of episodes past the pilot. Uh, season 1, episode 2 will be titled Stronger Together. And the description for this reads, When Kara's attempts to help National City don't go according to plan, she must put aside the doubts that she and the city's media has about her abilities in order to capture an escapee from the Cretanian prison, Fort Ros. Also, Cat pressures James to use his connection to Superman to get her an interview with Supergirl when Supergirl moves to its regular time period, Monday, November 2nd at 8pm on the CBS television network. So, uh, good to see some further descriptions for upcoming episodes uh, what do we have as a description for fight or flight i find that interesting it's a kind of a well-known phrase uh, depending on depending on who you are or what type of animal in nature you are you may choose to fight when you're in a bad situation or you may choose to run away therefore you would be choosing flight and of course it's got a double meaning because supergirl can both fight and she can fly <laughs> yeah. yes now uh fight or flight uh, as you mentioned, uh, is the, the next one. And uh, the description for this is, uh, just scanning down my page, uh, Supergirl's powers are tested when Reactron, one of Superman's formidable enemies, arrives in National City and targets the young hero. Also, Cat plans to run an expose on Supergirl, and that will be on Monday, November 9th, again on the CBS television network. So... Uh, no. Also, uh, Peter Facinelli guest stars in that episode as Maxwell Lord. Why does it say when it moves to its normal time, November 2nd, at 8 o'clock on Mondays? Isn't it 
playing at eight. Did it, didn't it air on a Monday at eight o'clock the mm, week before? No, the pilot episode actually aired at eight thirty, I believe, or aired at eight thirty uh-huh. on Monday. So um, that's Shit. that's why. Uh, yeah. It's um, yeah. It's okay. eight thirty. It aired on um, Monday, October twenty sixth, and then it moves to eight p.m. on. I don't love Monday. the time slot, but I'm guessing that they figure. People who would be interested in this show, young girls, families with kids, aren't necessarily going to be watching football, which is the biggest. And and you know, uh, you don't really have that problem in Australia, but in America, it's one of the biggest things there is on television. Right? And, uh, Isn't Gotham it, also it, on the same night? Yes, it is. Uh, and usually, football usually wins the ratings by a landslide. Uh, Gotham has no ratings, but is somehow still considered a hit. So, what's good about that is. Both Arrow and Flash also have no ratings, so if uh, Supergirl comes out and can have the same no ratings that the three of those shows have and be considered a hit, maybe we'll actually see a long run. The issue, and I've mentioned it before, is that it's on CBS and not the CW, although Gotham is on Fox, so maybe we've got a shot here. I'm I'm, 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 I'm hopeful, and I hope that uh, we get to hear you. Of course, uh, have you been? Uh, have you had any sort of offers or overtures? Uh, weren't you Supergirl's boyfriend or something in some sort of <laughs> another production? Yeah, there was a uh, an audio production by Pendant Productions uh, for a while there, where uh, I was for some reason cast as uh, Kara's. Uh, for some Australian, reason, he yeah. says. Well, it wasn't. I had nothing to do with it. It was like I wasn't involved with the way that the show was put together. I was just asked as um, as an audio, like a, as, a, as a voice <laughs> person. I had no uh, input into the, the scripts or anything. The scripts were sent to me like anybody else, and lo and behold, I was put down as Kara's boyfriend. So that was cool. It lasted for about uh, half a dozen episodes or so, and I uh, enjoyed Doing that. I'm sure there are worse things to be than Kara's <laughs> boyfriend. <laughs> right. Yes, no, that was it was a bit of fun. But uh yeah, check out Pendant Productions if you can. The other thing we saw with Supergirl that was interesting, and I guess it's for all the WB shows or uh superhero shows, was the fact that the Warner Brothers Tower uh had a, a makeover for the first time ever. The iconic Warner Brothers Water Tower uh, received a superhero makeover. And they've unveiled giant renderings of Arrow, The Flash, uh, Gotham's Detective Gordon, and Supergirl on the iconic structure uh, at the Warner Brothers studio lot. So, uh, very, I mean, they're, they're really pushing all their superhero shows on TV. And uh, to do that on the fi- famous and iconic Warner Brothers Water Tower is, uh, is amazing. It's cool. It makes you wonder why they didn't wouldn't have done it for things like Superman Returns or Man of Steel or the Batman trilogy or yeah. uh, whatever. But it's neat to see that, that they now have four sides covered or what is it? Yeah, four sides with the four uh, DC Comics-related programs. And uh, again, we're really pushing it and marketing it and trying to make sure people know about it. So it's uh, it's, it's, it's it's exciting. Yeah, it's very cool. Now, the only other thing about Supergirl that uh, I want to touch on is another piece of casting which we learnt about, and this was the fact that Chris Vance has been cast to play the role of Non. And uh, if you're wondering how Non will be played in the Supergirl TV series, his character is described as a former scientist in a league with the House of L. Non is a brutal Kryptonian military officer who is sinister, powerful and angry. He's the antithesis of all things Supergirl stands for. Non will quickly become Supergirl's greatest threat. So a uh, very different non than maybe what we saw played by Jack O'Halloran in the Superman movies starring Christopher Reeve. 
Well, it's interesting because the last days of Krypton novel, which mm -hmm. I loved and I mm -hmm. highly recommend to anyone who hasn't read it, it doesn't have Superman in it, but uh, like uh, possibly the Krypton television series uh, we're going to talk a little bit about in a minute here, uh, it, it shows kind of a background of the House of L and how the planet comes under uh, destruction possibilities and what's going to come of that. And in that, Nan is uh, kind of a uh, a partner of sorts to Jor-El and uh, good friends with him and things of that nature. And yeah. I think there's some sort of a lobotomy that causes him to become what he becomes. And I don't know that they're going to go that route, but to hear that they uh, have him as a scientist it likens to that uh, novel. Uh, also, is this related to uh, and, and was this released as part of the article where someone was saying that it's taking most of its cues from the Richard Donner and Christopher Reeve franchise as opposed to the more modern franchises that we've seen lately? Yeah, um, I think so. There was uh, definitely an article in which they mention uh, the fact that uh, they're, you know, taking more of, more of their cues from the Donner uh, films uh, and that series rather than uh, the, you know, the more uh, modern takes on Krypton and Supergirl and all that kind of stuff. And I guess that's probably, you know, makes sense in if they're going for that lighter feel, that more uplifting, um, family-orientated kind of uh, angle for Supergirl, that you would take your cues from um, a series that was more family-friendly. Yeah, I guess. Um, that You know, Nan just makes me think of that because they didn't go that route in Man of Steel, there was no Nan, there was no Ursa, there was uh, Zod, but then he had his more traditional comic book uh, compatriots with him. So to hear that Nan's going to be involved here, and of course, no one's saying that this is the Superman Returns of of the Superman franchise no. for a girl, uh, because it's not... I don't think anyone is saying that this is the same non that went into the Phantom Zone no, and then and then was somehow arrested at the end that wasn't shown in Superman 2, but some of us have seen the footage where the police come and take them away after they've lost their powers while still others insist that he killed them in that show as well. <laughs> um, but uh, it's just another version of some of these famous characters. Yeah. And what I've noticed that, that it seems that Supergirl is doing, and it's, it's just a little like them making Lex Luthor in the Batman v Superman movie Lex Luthor Jr. instead of being the first Lex Luthor. Uh, it seems as though they're really trying to populate Supergirl's universe with Superman uh, supporting cast and villains. And that's good in a lot of ways because fans like me or possibly you and other Superman fans uh, can go, oh, I know him or I know her or whatever. But at the same time, it, it, it kind of makes me wonder if Reactron is a long-standing Superman villain, where is Superman? Why did he let him go to try and kill his younger cousin in another city? And and why is why did James Olsen? You know, I mentioned this on Great Scott last week. Why is Jimmy James Olsen now living in another city? I mean, man, and I imagine we'll find out about it. But it all seems very convenient that the same people who are still plaguing Superman on a regular basis, as per the story in this Supergirl show are now also going to go over and bother Supergirl or be a part of her life. you got Winslow shot in there, whom they're calling Wynn, who we've heard is going to have a crush on Kara, but whom we know that should have been a longstanding Superman villain, but now he's her age, 
So how would that happen? And obviously they're rewriting some things and maybe Wynn won't become or will become, but when he does, won't necessarily be involved with Superman since we're on a Supergirl show. But it's very uh, kind of all-inclusive. They're trying to put everything in there that comes from somewhere else. Yeah, I guess there are going to be some retro fitting as far as uh, Superman villains becoming Supergirl villains or you know people uh, having their origins in this version with Supergirl rather than with Superman or or what the case might be. I mean, if Reactron was a, a Superman villain and has pestered Superman for a while, he obviously hasn't been captured or he's evaded capture or he's escaped from jail or whatever the case may be. We always see villains coming back, uh, you know, in the comics and, and TV shows and things like that, even in the cartoons. You know, you've got uh, the return of a character coming back or a villain escapes and does something somewhere else. So uh, I guess that's uh, a normal kind of thing in the comic book world. Uh, but, yeah, there will be certain things that we'll just have to take as part of this universe and not try to fit them with anything else uh, and just enjoy the ride without trying to question why Superman hasn't come or why did Superman let this person go? Why isn't Superman involved? Because it is a Super Goal show and uh, same with the comics. I know we've had many discussions where some big event has happened in Superman's comics and you're saying, well, why aren't the Justice League involved? Why don't... You know, why, if, this, if this is such a major event, how come there are no other characters coming to Superman's aid? And then sometimes when we do get Batman coming in on the Superman story, we go, oh, why is Batman there? So I guess it's <laughs> been a bit of uh, half dozen one, six of the other. So we'll just have to uh, take it for what it is and not get too you know, caught up in the uh, nitpicking. I just picture Superman sitting there going, "Who? Thank goodness! I, I haven't been able to handle him myself. Let her be by. Let her deal with him. You know, just kind of sitting there eating a banana or something. You know, right? Or, uh, or uh, what's his favorite dish? Um, beef. Beef Borignon. <laughs> Unless you're reading, uh, what's that one where he was a vegetarian? Right. Uh, um, the twelve issue. Um, Oh, it was supposed to blanking? be canon. It was going to be his new uh, birthright. birthright. It was going to be his new right. origin, but that kind of went away really, really fast. <laughs> it was almost like they burned it immediately upon. Uh, I liked a lot of it, but, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. some of the stuff, I guess, just didn't, uh, didn't catch fit. On. You know, uh, I read recently that Green Arrow's chili makes everyone except Batman scream in pain. <laughs> uh, and even Superman can't handle it, of course, which makes no sense whatsoever. I don't know who wrote that or if they didn't understand the character or not, but maybe he was too busy having his mouth burned by chili to help out with Reactron, and, and uh, so, so yeah. Supergirl's got to deal with him. Now, you did mention David Goya briefly uh, about, uh, oh, sorry, the uh, Krypton series, which uh, David Goya recently updated us on, uh, the Krypton TV series, we for a while, and I think we mentioned it um, Maybe in the last uh, podcast, we kind of said, well, what, whatever happened to that show? Where did that ever, or whatever, uh, you know, we heard so much about it early on that it was kind of in development, and then for nearly a year it uh, disappeared off the radar. Uh, it was back in December 2014 we received confirmation that there was a Krypton TV series being developed by Man of Steel screenwriter David Goya, and now in a recent interview with Collider.com, Goya updates us on the status of the project, which it's still in development, uh, and uh, he says that uh, part of the fun of doing Man of Steel uh, was, is it was so insistent on setting up that opening on Krypton and really seeing it, uh, pulling back the curtain on Krypton. And um, so in terms of production value, you have to pick your moments, he says. It will, uh, it will definitely, should we make the show, there will definitely be some big moments. It won't be wall-to-wall -wall visual effects every single moment. Spectacle in the way that the film will be. 
but we'll also be digging into the characters and the culture a lot more. So uh, it's still in development. We have no idea what's, uh, you know, when it will be picked up or if it will be picked up. Uh, if you haven't heard about this, it is a drama that uh, supposedly follows the Man of Steel's grandfather as he brings hope and equality to Krypton, turning a planet in disarray into one worthy of giving birth to the greatest superhero ever known. Now, the script was supposed to be penned by Ian Goldberg of Once Upon a Time and Flash Forward fame and uh, will be executive produced alongside him with David Goyer. And Goyer and Goldberg both conceived the story, uh, which I believe sci-fi is, is interested in. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. Well, what's interesting about this is that he mentions that it's it's Kal-El's grandfather, which then means it's Jor-El's father, right. but says that it takes place 200 years before the planet's destruction. Now, that's either bad math or wrong, or we're going to find out that Kryptonians live almost 300 years because in order for it to be about him as an adult uh, or even as a 20-something-year-old, uh, he would have to be – and for it to be 200 years before the – he would have to be, uh, what, uh, 200 years old, 220 years old or something like that in order to live to make it. And that would mean that unless – you know, if they live human years, that would mean that uh, – uh, He's uh, 200 years older than his son, who then, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Yeah, well, maybe Kryptonian years only go for like 30 days. So, um, <laughs> you know, the, they could rotate around their son a lot shorter than uh, 365 or 56, what is it? 365 days a year. So um, we'll have to wait and see how, they, how that calculates. Uh, you know, Kryptonians could live longer. I mean, Superman yeah, well, seems guessing. to live longer than everybody else in the comic book story, so... That's, of course, after he comes to Earth and has his right. cells. true, true. But, uh, Who knows? Again, they could, maybe they do from the beginning. You know, back in the day, uh, when, when the... And I think it was a Wednesday, they initially had said that Kryptonians all had superpowers. If you remember some of the origin stories, it would show a planet of supermen, and right, they'd all yes. have capes, and they were flying around. And they could leap uh, for them all. They, you know, they revamped that and, you know, now they don't have that, but uh, they seem mostly human and uh, don't have any particularly advanced physical traits. No. But uh, that could, of course, change in any in any sort of a uh, retelling. Uh, retelling. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, so that's the update. Uh, really not really an update. It's still in development. Uh, hopefully we hear something uh, in the new year about uh, whether Krypton will come. And if it does, uh, it probably be uh, this time next year that it would debut because that's the same, that would be obviously be the time when new shows uh, are picked up and uh, are premiered like Supergirl. So uh, maybe this time next year we'll be talking about Krypton's debut uh, pilot episode. I hope so. That would be quite cool. Uh, Sci-Fi doesn't have the greatest tra track record with me. We've talked about this before, yes. but... Uh, they have seemed to have moved into a few more ideas that that uh, seem a little better. So maybe this could be one of those that kind of helps it become more of a serious drama type network. Mm, we'll wait and see. Now, uh, the only other real big news about uh, upcoming shows was the confirmation of sorts that a JLA animated series, pro probably being called Justice League Action, um, will be coming to Cartoon Network. Uh, there was... Uh, a series of posters, as we know, we've discussed that a photo of a series of posters on a wall at uh, office in uh, at Warner Brothers showing 
a number of uh, shows, animated shows that are now or will be coming up on uh, Cartoon Network. And um, one of those posters was a JLA animated poster with silhouettes of superheroes. And we, as I said, appeared to get confirmation from Cartoon Network Canada, who responded to a Facebook post from a fan called James Harvey who was asking about it. And the uh, Cartoon Network Canada person on Facebook said, we will be premiering a new Justice League series, but not likely until next fall, uh, which would be this time next year. But um, then the Cartoon Network Canada Twitter account uh, kind of uh, backtracked on that, saying that we can't confirm any information regarding a potential new Justice League series. Uh, so the Facebook people saying one thing, the, car- the Twitter people from Cartoon Network Canada saying another thing. Um, maybe uh, the cat was let out of the bag too soon and they've kind of kind of trying to pull that back in. But I guess it's uh, kind of out now. Seems kind of interesting and un- unlikely that they would have uh, a poster framed hanging in their hallway with the other shows sure. if it was just sort of a uh, idea that was failed or passed Not upon. Yeah. And it certainly looks different than the other JLA, uh, I guess JLU that was out yeah. in the late 90s. So it, it certainly looks like something might be on the horizon. And I look forward to all the episodes where Superman will be knocked out of action within the first couple of minutes so that the rest of the Justice League can uh, do what they need to do. Maybe they'll just have him eat Green Arrow's chili uh, at the beginning of every episode, and his mouth will be so hot he won't be able to fight. Right, exactly. He'll be looking for some Kryptonian water or something to combat the kryptonite that uh, was put into the chili. That's right. I mean, I've eaten plenty of green chili in my day, so I'm (laughs) guessing that that's what it's going to be. Speaking of Justice League, we, of course, have the entire Justice League Unlimited uh, series coming to Blu-ray. Yeah, very exciting that it's finally all coming on one disc to Blu-ray early in 2016, uh, I think it is. Um, The complete Justice League animated series, complete Justice League Unlimited animated series uh, coming to Blu-ray. Uh, you can order it now from the Superman homepage online store. It'll actually be, re- be released sorry, on November 10th. So November 10th, the complete series of Justice League Unlimited on Blu-ray. One disc, 897 minutes running time. Uh, a great series, uh, obviously continuing on from the Justice League animated series and for the first time now on Blu-ray. It's insane that it's eight, uh, 900 minutes and it's on one disc. Yeah, I, know. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. <laughs> but uh, what's cool about this is, you know, a lot of fans are going, well, we already have ours. Why do we need this now? And it wasn't made in high def or in Blu-ray. So animation is going to be as good as animation can be. And maybe that's true. But the cool thing about this is. Uh, since the last releases and since the show was on television, a lot of fans and non-fans have had children who are now fans of superheroes just because they're superheroes. So they may not know Justice League. They may not care specifically about Superman or Wonder Woman or anyone in particular. But the idea that kids and just the general populace right now is so heavily invested in superheroes and superhero movies and it's really the biggest driving force in in uh overall popular entertainment today that that it's 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 for people who haven't seen it younger people that are now six seven eight nine that did not watch it at that time great that that then we can get them hooked on dc superheroes and uh like uh like us, they can become 40-something uh, men doing podcasts about <laughs> superheroes in their living room. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Not at all. 
All right, so let's move on to comic books where we will discuss the uh, comic books that we've read this past month. And the one that we've got to touch on first is Superman Lois and Clark number one. This uh, much anticipated, uh, much hyped uh, comic book by Dan Jurgens, uh, written by Dan Jurgens. And uh, it uh, involves the, if you like, uh, pre-New 52 Superman and Lois, married. We saw them in Convergence. Here they are. They've uh, somehow been um, uh, transported to live on our current New 52 Earth, uh, where there already is a Superman and a Justice League. Uh, it, the, the comic book starts with that very first Justice League battle with Darkseid, with the invasion of Darkseid's forces to Earth, which kind of brought the Justice League together, told by Jeff Johns in the original Justice League number one. Uh, Superman, the Superman previously, if you like, um, uh, is uh, on the sidelines waiting, watching, about to jump in in his traditional costume, the red trunks and all. Um, he's about to, to join into the fight to, to help if needed and realises that things are under control and decides to keep his anonymous, uh, you know, remain anonymous um, he and Lois are expecting their child to have their child. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much about what happens in the comic if you haven't read it, but it is so worthwhile. It's for the first time in a long time, I feel like I'm reading an actual Superman comic book. Well, it's interesting. I was going to bring that up. That now that you did, I'm, I'm I can address it. Uh, people have been talking to me about this, and and you yourself now have said it. I, I always find that statement to be interesting because. I feel like the Superman of the New 52 is still the same character. It's still been Superman stories. Some of them have been questionably written. Some of them have been boring. Some of them have not been particularly compelling. And yet I still feel like his attitude is basically the same. He's still here to do what he can to help people. He's a champion of the oppressed, all that kind of stuff. So uh, when I keep hearing I'm finally reading Superman again, and for me, the story didn't really do all that much, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that they're on the same universe, the New 52 Earth, where our Superman is, and there's already a Superman and a Lois in the New 52. And I know everybody wants the Trunks back, and I know everybody wants the guy who was married to Lois back, but in terms of attitude and the type of person that he is, it is the same character. It was just a relaunched version, and we may not be happy again with a lot of the direction that the stories have gone or whatever. Uh, but with this, I don't really know where they're going to go with it because, as you say, they didn't want to come out and, and tell people that they're here. So how is he going to fly around and be Superman in the trunks and the Superman outfit if he's going to keep himself hidden? I also uh, wasn't that happy that, that they were sort of showing him being old. Yeah, well, I mean, being old, I mean, he's just got a beard. I don't know about being old. Well, they said that he made mention that it was a lot harder to do the things that he would normally do on a regular basis, and then it got him winded, and uh, well, these days he's not as good as he used to be. Well, that may just be because of this new Earth. Maybe there's something different about the sun on this Earth. Maybe we'll find out why. I kind of got the feeling that there was a, a, a underlying story to that. Um I I I understand what you're saying about the new 52 Superman and he's still the Superman and everything. I just 
I don't know. There's something about the, and maybe of course it's the Superman that I came in with. You know, the the uh, post-crisis Superman, uh, the John Byrne era, all that kind of stuff was the Superman that I that got me into comic books. The death of Superman and all that kind of stuff. So the Lois and Clark relationship, um, the attitude, the, the the conversations, it kind of all felt. Um, I don't know. T- took me back to those early days of reading comic books and. Um, well, I understand that you know I still do enjoy the the current Superman comic books. There's just something's missing. Maybe it's, there's an element to maybe it's the whole Clark Kent being added thing that kind of has got on my nerves a little bit. Um, it just kind of felt like you know reading about old friends again, and maybe that's a you know um, more of an emotional thing than the, the story itself. But um, I liked you know the the whole angle of it. Um, I liked. The you know the fact that their son John is kind of catching on to them being unable to keep their story straight, and uh, you know is it just kind of felt like returning to old friends is how I probably best put it. That's interesting. I, I, my reaction to that is kind of is it? I mean, I get that that's what they're saying. You know, I hear fans say a lot of times that just because Warner Brothers or DC slaps an S on something and then tells me it's Superman doesn't mean I'm going to go out and buy it. If it's crap, it's crap. I don't care if they have the S on it or not. Not that this is crap, but the idea that so many people don't buy the new 52 because they either think it's crap or they read a book or two and have decided, or maybe they tried it for a year and, and just don't like the idea that this isn't the Superman they grew up with. But I didn't – other than being told that that's what it was, it didn't feel that way to me because generally Superman doesn't stand there and not do anything and, and wait to see if everything's OK before bounding in. And generally he doesn't you know, hang out at home and grow a beard and raise a child. Doesn't, to me, doesn't seem – because none of the things that were in this story or that they made a big point to highlight in this story – were what I read about during the death of Superman or during the aftermath of the death of Superman. Or, yeah, but this uh, isn't his world. This isn't his place to jump in. This isn't, you know, it's not, uh, there is already is a Superman involved. There already is, you know, so he's kind of fish out of water in, in, in a lot of regards in that it's, it's you know, uh, they've been gifted a second chance at uh, having a life, having their, you know, world uh, being uh, wiped out during the Convergence event that, um, you know, it's like a clean slate, and while the, there's a Superman taking care of things here, and and he's not just you know keeping his superpowers in his pocket, and not doing anything with it. As we read throughout the story, he is doing what he almost what he did before he became Superman in the post-crisis universe, where he was doing secretly helping out people, and, and, and that's I think the feel that I gave me with the scrapbook and everything. It felt like. You know Martha's scrapbook from that series, where she was keeping, um, you know, uh, clippings of all the you know, stories about you know a guardian angel helping out and and strange events, you know, people being saved and things, which is exactly what's happening here again. And didn't we learn that Superman and Lois could not have children because their their human and Kryptonian DNA were not. A match enough during that time, during the time that we grew up. During yeah, there the time was that, we were... that was um, one of the. Uh, I think Jonathan explained that, but um, I'm not sure. During, I mean, look, this is the convergence version of that, and that, whether or not that's the original post-crisis, it, it's we're talking about comic book multiverses here, and I think um, 
you know, you'd have to ask Grant Morrison. He's probably the the man who's the uh, the be all and end all of the knowledge of all that, uh, and maybe then not even him, uh, Mike Carlin, maybe. But um, yeah, I you know, there are certain elements. I guess you just got to take uh, with a grain of salt and say, well, she's pregnant, and this is that version, and and how, why, or the you know the the, the technology behind it or the the science behind it. Um, it's a comic book story. <laughs> All right. Very good. <laughs> I did not like the story. I just, I, I didn't get the feeling that I'm reading from everybody on Facebook and, and yourself and the idea that I'm definitely certain that this is my guy or the guy that I uh, first started reading. Yeah, when I was, I, you know, it just seems like he has the trunks on and he's with Lois. And other than that, since he's on a different planet, he's kind of alien to where he is. Uh, he's he's bearded. He uh, acts a bit differently. Uh, seems a bit weaker. Um, uh, doesn't seem like the same. And they have a baby when they were when we were told that they couldn't. It doesn't seem like exactly the same, which is what everybody's touting because they're so excited that finally they can stop reading this crap new Fifty Two Superman and they can read the. Uh, is this an ongoing? Or are we going to see this for? No, 10 I think episodes? it's a limited series. I don't know what the number of uh, uh, chapters it will be or issues it will be, but uh, it's not an ongoing from. I understand. Very good. All right. Very good. It's not. (laughs) No. Being aware. We'd like to see it ongoing. But uh, look, fans out there, if you want to give us your opinions of uh, of uh, Superman, Lois, and Clark, I'm sure by the time we get around to our next podcast episode or chapter two, issue two will be out, and maybe we'll uh, get a better feel for this individually as well as collectively with your thoughts out there. So let us know what you're thinking on Superman, Lois, and Clark is so far. But uh, for now, let's move on to Action Comics number 45. And in this uh, particular issue uh, called with an internal story titled Blind Justice, uh, we um, continue on with uh, Clark Kent. Um, You know, he's now set up in a, a barn, if you like, where he's kind of trying to work out what's happening, trying to piece together all the details of you know, why his powers are diminishing, who's taking them, what's going on. And uh, Hero, the, uh, I guess he's calling himself Toy Master now, not Toy Man, uh, finds him, locates him, which uh, forces Clark to blow up uh, his uh, base of operations. Um, And uh, we hear and we learn in this issue that uh, Clark is now no longer going by the name of Clark. He is now undercover uh, using the name Archie Clayton, and he's a delivery man, and it's all part of his plan to uh, get into this uh, secret installation, this secret room, where uh, he's uh, trying to find out just exactly what has happened uh, with these people trying to steal his powers and uh, working with wrath and all that kind of stuff. Yes, yeah, just continuing, just more of the... Uh continuing saga with not really too much happening in the episode uh and it, you know on its own uh, other than uh, you know hero coming and, and kind of being cut out he's he's speaking to the the uh the batman um things that he's ta- taken from the bat cave or was given by alfred uh, so he's using them to track and he's getting information from the computer the bat computer i guess uh, I picture that guy's voice from the old show. And meanwhile, as Superman <laughs> tracks across the country, you know, trying to find these enemies and trying to find out what's going on. So 
uh, not much in the way of movement story-wise, but just showing that that's happening and, uh, and and he's not Clark anymore, and that has a lot of people upset. Which again, I say, I'm I'm, I'm certain is temporary, or I figure that it will be. I'm not sure how they're going to fix it, but uh, the only way to know is to continue reading and find out. Yes, exactly. So uh, that's uh, Action Comics number forty-five. And I guess the big thing out of that was uh, the uh, the use of a different identity for Clark Kent. Uh, a lot of people made a big deal about that, but uh, I'm sure it's only temporary. How and why and how it will, um, we will get around that, I don't know. Um, you know, getting the, the Clark Kent identity back seems like an impossible task at this point in time. Um, I, sh- I we guess I should, we should go back to Superman number 44, which uh, obviously was an issue that happened just before uh, we recorded our previous pod, or just after we recorded our previous podcast. And um, in in this particular story, we have uh, a bunch of, of um, villains trying to. Um, oh, it's funny. I thought you were going to say a bunch of bad art. I couldn't. <laughs> I, I jumped. My mind jumped ahead. I I apologize. <laughs> well, we have that as well, but we have. Um, you know, a, a, a number of villains uh, out for Clark Kent's hide, uh, including uh, Livewire, um, the uh, what are they? The, um, the Royal Flush Gang. Um, I know you can't get past the art, but what did you think of this story? Uh, the interaction between Lois and her father, uh, him, you know, like kind of congratulating her, patting her on the back for doing a, a dastardly thing to Superman by outing his Clark Kent identity. And she's going, no, Dad, that's not what I intended. That wasn't my intention. You're like, you know, he sees it the way Superman's seen it as, you know, as, uh, you know, um, a breach of his um, friendship, of, of their friendship, of her loyalty. And he, he her father, is like, yeah, go for it, girl. <laughs> well, you know, kind of before the new 52 a little bit and definitely since the launch of the new 52 uh general lane has kind of been a thorn in superman's side he's been a guy who doesn't trust him he's been a guy who uh thinks they need to stop him or or bring him in or control him in some way or another so for him he thinks his daughter's finally come around and, mm. and finally agrees with him and realizes that uh, this Superman is, as J. Jonah Jameson might say about Spider-Man, a menace who needs to be stopped, you know. Um, and then that seems to him what she's doing. And, of course, she does a double take. And, and, and then when he tries to leave the room, he doesn't have the time. And then we, of course, go back and he's fighting for his life in a situation where he doesn't have his powers and that sort of thing. But that's just fine to general lane, but of course not what Lois wanted at all. I kind of like this because as I said, I can see Lois's reasoning, even if right now Superman can't. Um, And even if she was wrong and even if she made a rash decision, people in emotional states, people concerned about people they quote unquote love or really care deeply about or even realize how important they are to the world, knowing that, yes, maybe some of Clark Kent's associates might be in danger uh, after the fact isn't as important as keeping Superman himself from becoming a – uh, someone who's being used by a villain because he knows that now once once those people are automatically put in danger by Lois, they're no it's no longer a threat that the bad guy can use. 
uh, I don't know that she thought it all out like that, but the mm-hmm. idea that if you can't use the fact against Superman that no one knows right now and therefore your people are safe, once I take that away from you, now Superman can do what he needs to do to stop you and to continue with his fight to protect people and to protect the world. Uh, the other thing that bothers me about this, and I think it was this issue, is the whole Perry thing, and it's bothered me for a, for a while. Uh, Perry, and maybe this goes back to the Lois and Clark series, uh, the, the Superman, Lois and Clark, number one, or the idea of a pre-New 52 Superman and family, and by family I mean the supporting cast. Perry just doesn't seem like Perry to me. Hmm. Um, he seems... Yeah, very and just nasty and not understanding at all and really against Superman and against the whole idea. And also not all that intelligent, not all that logical and not doesn't he doesn't seem to be making a lot of sense. I don't Mm. know if it's that his feelings are hurt. I don't know if he's embarrassed that as a newsman he couldn't figure it out. But all of the stuff he's saying, you know, you put us all in danger by being invisible. Actually, no, I kept you out of danger by making sure no one knew. Now that everyone knows, you're in danger. But if I had done that to begin with, you would have been in danger. So by me not doing it is what kept you not in danger this long for knowing who I am. Now that you know who I am, now you are in danger. So the fact that he's yelling at him for putting us all in danger for keeping a secret like that just seems backward and not exactly correct. Mm. We also have Superman um, posting an ultimatum, if you like, on on television or broadcasting his announcement to villains out there. And uh, I I, I don't know, that kind of came off a bit out of character to to me. Well... um... It's kind of his desperate times, right? Mm, so, mm. you know, and Lois calls him out on it, or, or Jimmy does, and says, you know, that's not uh, what Superman's similar. about. Yeah. And he says, well, it is now. Uh, again, people do and say rash things. Now, he hasn't done anything to anyone. He just threatened them on television. Right. And that could mean you're not going to get away with it anymore. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to fry your brains with my heat vision. It just means I'm not going to put up with it. So if you hurt these people and he's kind of been left with no other choice than to say, than to threaten because Lois has put it out there Hmm. or the villain was going to anyway. And now that it's out there, these people who are his friends and family are in more uh, immediate danger than they've ever been before. So uh, all he's trying to do is damage control at this point yeah. and trying to do whatever he can to dissuade uh, people from going after the, the people who were at one time close to Clark Kent. Yep. So uh, we move forward now to Batman, Superman number 25. And in this, <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, Superman being Batman for a bit with his glider. And then uh, he comes across and goes toe-to-toe with Vandal Savage in a one-on-one fight that doesn't end very well for Superman. and Well, sure being... it does. Well, it ends of... fantastically. Yeah. Well, he doesn't get rescued by Batman. He gets rescued by Batgirl. Right. <laughs> oh, well, you know, uh, Batman's not around right now, unless you count Gordon, and I don't. So uh, um, we got to have Batgirl, right? Some One of the Bat family... Right. And then by the end, multiple members of the Bat family have to be there to rescue Superman. We also get reminded again that 
Superman didn't win all his battles by um, being alone. He won them by surrounding himself with people of brilliant minds. Uh, you know, Vandal says that, which then implies that Superman is not of a brilliant mind or is not smart enough to have handled all his battles before now. And then, of course, we get the three Batman characters that come in and uh, say, you know, we're going to be behind you now. Great. Three human people are going to help me out. You know, it's not bad enough that I'm now depowered and only have a little bit of my ability. Now I got to have three other human people who, yes, have experienced quite a few battles in their time and have armor and have been trained by the Batman who in, in, in every turn is written to show me up anyway. So, But now I got to worry about these three who are younger and less experienced and shouldn't be my are not you know i don't work with as far as being on a team with them as batman does yeah and i guess because it's batman superman as a title that um it can't be just solely a superman story and i guess it is focused on the truth arc and it has been for a while and so batman has to be included in some way and because batman isn't currently batman um then the other bat characters have to be involved in it to justify the title being called Batman, Superman of this comic book. So um, I guess we can't feel too hard done by, and uh, I guess Superman is uh, depowered in this story, so it makes sense that someone's got to come and give him a bit of a hand. Uh, It just is unfortunate that it's written that way. Uh, We move now on to the final book we're going to talk about, and that is Superman Wonder Woman number 22, which I just read. Uh, prior to this recording. It's just the most recent comic book out. And in this one, we get, spoiler alert, I guess, if you like, um, the breakup of Superman and Wonder Woman as a romantic couple. They're still working together. They're still Justice League um, buddies, if you like, and and need to help each other out. But uh, in this, Superman, again, that that whole desperate measures thing, um, goes to the JLA Watchtower um, uh, knocks out the Flash, uh, takes a, 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 a ship and tries to fly towards the sun to try to, I guess, kickstart his, his powers, um, hoping that the sun will refuel him. Uh, he's uh, saved, I guess, by Wonder Woman, and the two of and enduring that, uh, the two of them uh, have a ma- massive discussion about their relationship. And Clark says, "I don't know if I love you anymore." And you know, I guess that's all because of the fallout of what Wonder Woman. Uh, did with her lasso as far as interviewing or, um, you know, uh, questioning uh, Superman's friends and loved ones. And uh, that kind of, there was a bit of fallout to that. We also have a, a bit of uh, altercation between Lois and Lana, with Lana punching Lois in the face and telling her to shut up. Um, uh, and I guess Lana feels what Clark feels as far as, you know, the, you know, um, her outing his secret identity and the, you know, um, uh, the loss of loyalty there and, you know, the fact that Lana kept Clark's secret for so long and here's Lois just outing it to the world. I, I guess she feels, um, you know, angry towards Lois in the way that Clark also does. I have a couple of issues with this uh, issue. Uh, I have issues with this issue. Yeah, I guess that's okay. Um, Clark sounds like a whiny baby. Uh, I don't know if I love you anymore. Uh, Okay. It is sort of in character for him to be angry with Wonder Woman for seemingly 
uh, helping to interrogate his friends. Although, just like from Lois's point of view, she says, I was there to make sure they didn't do it in a way that I wouldn't have approved of or that you wouldn't have approved of. I got it done quickly because with the lasso, I can get them to tell the truth right away and everybody mm-hmm. knows it. And we all know in the room that what they say is true and we can get them in and get them out. They were there. I was not a part of it. But now I'm trying to do what I can to release them without breaking down walls and, and taking them out of there by force. So the whole idea that he suddenly doesn't love her anymore because of that, I guess if she was a part of the interrogation and she was on the team with the people who wanted to interrogate them and was against Superman or was worried about Superman from the standpoint that now we have to question his friends, I could see it being an ultimate betrayal and breaking his heart Mm. in that you know, if the person I'm supposed to be in a romantic relationship with can't even trust me enough not to capture and interrogate my friends, how could I love a person like that? But that's not what it is. It's a little like what I was saying about Perry. He should know that. He can see that. He right. knows what he it was. Conclusions. And, yeah, and if he just – he doesn't even really need to listen to her. She doesn't really need to explain it if he knows her well. And if he's been with her all this time, I would think he would know that she was not – forcibly grabbing up Lois and Lana and friends and and uh, uh, interrogating them on behalf of the United States governmental body that is doing this. She came into it after the fact and, and again, tried to expedite it so that people weren't held uh, against their will longer than needed. And she wanted I, – I also seemed to me that she was kind of – uh, there as a uh, witness and as a person to make sure things didn't get out of hand and that his friends didn't get hurt and that innocent people weren't harmed during this interrogation. And her way to interrogate is certainly much less harmful than, you know, truth serums or, you know, violence or hurting people or water torture or whatever they might do if people don't, don't start answering the questions. Further, it bothers me that He's knocking out people in the watchtower. It bothers me that they attack Lana. They attack the it, plane. I mean, and pull. I mean, talk about he's worried about people being hurt during interviews or you know being aggressive towards people. What about these army guys? Are they transporting the parasite? And they just punches his way through the windshield and and starts attacking and ripping apart the plane and ripping apart things just to get to the parasite. Surely there's got to be a better way to do that than for the two of them to just. You know, endanger the lives of these soldiers who are just doing their duty, than to rip them apart mid-flight and endanger their lives and and bully your way into getting the parasite. Okay, they're not trustworthy of Superman anymore, or what? But Wonder Woman's still a trustworthy person as far as the Justice League is concerned. I, I don't understand this tact. I don't think the Justice League would be untrustworthy of Superman just because he is a slightly less powered figure. No, but what I'm point. saying, Wonder Woman to the army, why couldn't she? Why, like, you know, it, it's she's acting like Superman at the moment because, okay, the army are going to start shooting at Superman because for whatever reason he's now not being trusted and there are people who, who don't trust him anymore in the world. But why is Wonder Woman following the same routine as Superman in ripping apart planes and things to get to the parasite when she's a member of the Justice League who are still... You know, well regarded by people. I don't understand this need to bully your way through to get the parasite with force. Uh, so, I guess ultimately, what 
I'm saying is that I don't know why Superman would need to do it in this manner. As you were saying, you know, you don't understand why then Wonder Woman has to participate or, or whatever. Why couldn't they just go in? You know, Superman in past times, and I guess a lot of complaints Superman fans have now is that he's kind of been relegated to background even in the Justice League, used to be the the main guy, the leader, mm, the one yeah. who kind of told everyone else how it was going to be. Now it's usually Batman who does that, but you would still think Superman would be able to go to the Flash and say, this is what I'm trying to do, this is what I, I need to do, and, and the Flash would say, oh, well, okay. I'm not sure why it had to go that way. So then the other thing that 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 bothers me about this is Lana has been telling Clark Cannon almost every chance she gets that she's never going to forgive him for letting his parents, her parents die and that she doesn't feel the same way as that she always did about him. And she's apologized a couple of times and said, I really shouldn't say that, but it's just, I'm really hurt that my parents are dead. But then she, you know, every chance she gets goes back to it and harps on it. And here she's going to try and tell someone else. Isn't that a little hypocritical? Well, I, I guess so. I guess, uh, it, you know, it, it, in more recent issues, Lana has kind of come around a, a bit and kind of apologised, and I guess she's, you know, on Superman's side to a degree. But uh, I, I guess she just didn't. But she still says she's never going to get over that. She doesn't yeah. blame him anymore, but uh, that she still thinks he should have been there. So uh, it's not the same exact thing. But uh, how about not punching people? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you you don't like what they did to someone. You know, uh, no one punched you for telling Superman it was his fault. Your parents died. Yeah, true. Very true. Uh, so there's a lot of criticism, and I'm seeing a lot of criticism online about, uh, again, about Superman One Woman, especially with issue number 22. And oh, I heard people, people say, oh, great, finally Lois gets what she deserves. And maybe that's true. I, I just don't see it that way. But, you know, I, more than that, I feel like it's the people who have have hated the new 52 just as a concept from the beginning and have said this isn't my Lois this isn't my Superman these aren't my characters so to to see Lois take one on the chin is like finally them getting some vindication for a character they don't really believe is Lois anyway and more so than it necessarily makes sense in the course of the story yeah well we'll, we'll wait and see uh what the further reaction is to uh, Superman, Wonder Woman. Uh, it's just a fresh out uh, as we're recording this, so uh, I guess there's more fallout to come from that particular issue. All right, looking elsewhere around the online universe of fandom, um, the DC Superhero Girls uh, initiative uh, by DC Comics has uh, been pretty well received. Uh, it's in partnership with Warner Brothers Consumer Products and Mattel, and the Super... Uh, DC Superhero Girls is now a place, uh, a website, dcsuperherogirls.com, where uh, young female fans can now play, watch, read, and be inspired to discover their full superpower potential alongside legendary DC Comics female superheroes, including Supergirl, Wonder Woman, Batgirl, and others. And there are animated episodes that you can watch, animated shorts, online at that website and at the Superman homepage. Uh, there's four episodes out as the recording at the recording of this episode, and uh, they basically center around Wonder Woman at this stage, uh, introducing herself to Superhero High School, where she's now a new member of uh, the the students there, I guess, and she's uh, come into contact with a number of other superheroes, mainly Harley Quinn, who is her 
roommate. And there's some craziness that goes on there. So a little bit of fun for young fans uh, wanting to check out a new initiative, DCSuperheroGirls.com. I find it interesting that they've included Harley Quinn in the superhero right. girls category since she's a lunatic who murders people and, and smashes people with hammers and uh, really has no control over her own psychotic behavior. Um, I, I imagine that they're changing her entire personality and, and situation to fit this show for kids. Um, are there not enough female actual superheroes that they have to have Harley Quinn in there? Well, I guess Harley's become a real cult figure as far as popularity is concerned these days. And um, obviously this is, this is a much more sanitized version of, of Harley Quinn. She's a bit uh, eccentric and uh, a bit of a, a fruit loop, if you like, and uh, is obviously at odds with Wonder Woman as far as their personalities <laughs> are concerned. Uh, so they're, they're definitely different uh, personalities. Wonder Woman's very, you know, stoic and very, uh, you know, regimented and, and, and serious, and the Harley is the exact opposite. Hmm. I wish they would have continued with the superhero best friends or whatever series. DC that, that Super was, Friends, yeah. We, uh, remember the, the ones they were doing? Uh, during the CW shows, yep. it was like Supergirl and Wonder Girl and, and Batgirl. Oh, Super right, Best yeah, Friends Forever. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that was cool. I guess this is probably this show seems maybe inspired by that. But uh, uh, interesting that I always I, every time I see the promo art and stuff, I, I think, why is Harley Quinn there? <laughs> so that's something that uh, young female superhero fans uh, can check out. And uh, and I think it's a it's a great initiative that we've got a lot more uh, comic book characters skewed to younger fans. Uh, definitely, we need the the new generation of fans growing up with superheroes as their role models. Uh, the only other thing we have to touch on before we move into the big question segment of our show is a series of four new coins released by the Royal Canadian Mint, uh, showcasing Superman and Supergirl. Uh, this series is uh, continues on the very popular uh, Royal Canadian Mint series of DC Comics uh, Superman coins, uh, 2013. They had a, a series of, of silver, gold, and base metal coins, and that was so popular that the second series came out in 2014, and now they continue on that uh, tradition with a 2015 wave of four half-ounce silver Superman and Supergirl coins that fans can collect from... Canadian, uh, what is it, mint.ca. Cool. I like those kinds of things. I don't have any. Uh, <laughs> Neither do but, I. But uh, it's neat that they uh, are making them. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's it's very cool, a great collectible, and uh, it's uh, it's it's legal tender. You can use it. Not all. Well, I, I wouldn't. I'd keep it as a memento, as a collectible, rather than go to your, uh, I don't know, comic book store and try to hand it over as a coin. But uh, there you have it. Let's move into our big question segment of our show. Let's start with the big question. Last month's question was, if a standalone super movie, Superman movie was to happen, what would you like to see happen in the movie? We have several responses. John Jr. wrote, If there was a standalone Superman movie, I would like to see a Doomsday trilogy, similar to original Star Trek movies 2, 3, and 4, in that each movie were really one, and in each one picked up almost right after another, with no time really having passed, 
from two to three and three to four. So I'd like to see Superman do the same. Uh, one being Death of Superman, two, The Reign of the Supermen, and three, The Return of Superman. For a single standalone, either Brainiac or the Parasite, since they've never been done in live action before. That's what I'd like to see for a standalone Superman movie. Cool. Thank you, John. Yeah, I like the idea of uh, either the Brainiac or Parasite. I think that'd be two cool vi- villains. Absolutely. We move on to Giles Jr. Savage, who wrote... I would like to see Superman have the joy to find Crypto. I would like him to face Brainiac and that to help him, the Legion of Superheroes would arrive in a time capsule. Crypto would help Superman and the Legion to defeat Brainiac. The last scene would introduce the Anti-Monitor to lead us to a crisis on infinite Earths. Uh, That would mix the DC film and TV universe. I'm looking up in the sky. Rock the homepage on. Thank you, Giles. Um, Yeah, I know you're not a big fan of the Legion of Superheroes, Scotty. Well, you know, as its own thing, as it's as a standalone thing, I find it enjoyable enough to read. And and Crypto and the Legion of Superheroes is definitely from a time period where uh, kind of really lighthearted, mm. somewhat goofy character, bouncing boy, and things like that were kind of accepted. And and uh, you know, when people were looking for fun in comics, and we're certainly in and of an age now where things are kind of very serious. And, and and much darker and, and situations are much dire. And I, I don't know, other than the kind of wink they did on Smallville where they had the dog and he said, well, what if I call it Crypto? And Lois made fun of it and they mm. named it Shelby or whatever. Yep. I, that's the sort of a thing I would expect uh, to see and as far as going as far as having a Crypto in the movie or TV universe these days. But although Supergirl being more inspired by that age, maybe we could see something like that on there and mm. and my problem with the legion of superheroes isn't so much that it's crazy zany comic book action it's that it it's one of those paradoxes where that without them it superman, seems like yeah. superman wouldn't exist but without superman they wouldn't exist so mm. who came first and did superman really need a group of teenagers to teach him how to be superman or or, or you know because that's what it, it almost seems like he goes there to train with them and mm. then so then it kind of takes away from the specialness that Clark Kent knew he needed to, to, to be Superman and to do the right thing and, yeah. and, and uh, needed them to show him. But Agreed. definitely a lot of ideas there. And, you know, if, if I think sometimes if DC movies were more like Marvel movies or if DC was more willing to kind of have fun in their movies and not necessarily take them super seriously and, and realistically – we might have a chance to see more things like that. When you look at the Marvel movies, you have the collector in there. Uh, Howard the Duck was at the end of the uh, Guardians of the uh, Galaxy movie and mm. things like that that you I don't think you will see in DC movies because they're not – they don't seem to go in that direction. True. Hector wrote, uh, I would love to see Superman and Lex Luthor trade places with Lex using his power for evil and Superman living the normal life that he always wanted. The only way for Superman to get his power back is that he has to tell the world he's Superman. That'd be a crazy story. Thanks, Hector. Yes, crazy indeed. Uh, Way out there. Uh, Sam Otten sent in his answer as an audio response. Uh, Let's hear what uh, Sam had to say. My name is Sam, and I would use Metallo as the primary villain of the next standalone Superman movie, and I would have him arise out of a military storyline. There's some sort of international threat of war or genocide or an evil regime, and the U.S. military calls for Superman to help out. 
This can provide some early action scenes in Act 1 or Act 2, um, but in addition to Superman's help, the military has also been developing Metallo as a kryptonite-based warrior that can help in the main conflict, but also has the added benefit for the military of Metallo being able to check Superman's power. Metallo fights alongside Superman, but in Act 3, he turns bad in some way and Superman has to take him down. That would be the main thrust, but the story needs to have more than just the rise of a villain and Superman taking him down. Several major characters need to have their own story arcs, and Superman especially needs to have some sort of character development throughout the movie. Thank you, Sam. We uh, had to cut down your audio answer uh, just for the sake of length of the show, but we appreciate your thoughts on the what, what you would do with a new Superman movie. We also have a response from Guthrie McLean, who writes in and says, I want to see a movie where the story focuses heavily on Superman and where he is respected and speaks more. The flying would need to look more real. No handheld camera, just a formal approach. I want to see Superman's limit to be tested among villains, especially Lex Luthor. Lex should be the villain, the main villain. The focus should be a Superman versus super intellect. The tone of the film should be less dark. I want to see Superman using his intelligence to help people by using his powers. Furthermore, it has to be fun and brighten up the, color, the film colour for... Uh, brighten up the film colour, for God's sake. Thank you, <laughs> Guthrie. I think that's similar to what you were just saying about being a bit more light-hearted. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not saying that I necessarily need that or want that, but that uh, they're not particularly lighthearted. And I think, you know, people go a roundabout way of saying it, uh, people died or buildings fell down or it's very dark or Superman doesn't seem to like being Superman or he doesn't mm. smile. Or, uh, they say all these things, but I think really what it boils down to is they don't have the lighthearted, fun feeling that maybe the uh, Donner film had, although the ending of the Donner film is pretty heavy. Mm. Um, and as far as the color, I could I could see them brightening up the color even in a more realistic world. It does seem kind of dim and dark. Muted. Matthew Stinson wrote, moving forward in this write-up, I'm assuming some things based on the Superman vs. Batman, Dawn of Justice, and Suicide Squad trailers. I'd like to see Lex clone Superman, ending with a Superboy and Bizarro storyline. I'd also like to see Clark become pals with Jenny Olsen. Oh, thank you, Matthew. He had a lot longer uh, response, uh, breaking it up into acts and everything like that. But uh, for this podcast, we uh, try to keep it short and sweet. So thank you, Matthew, for your well response. I did want to point out that uh, there is no Jenny Olsen. That's uh, right. I don't know if, if that's come about or not. That was a rumor, and it's it's since been uh, uh, explained Bye. away. Her yep. name was Jenny. I forget what it was, but she had a different last name. And it may be very possible that they were going to make that a Jimmy Olsen-type character of a female, but uh, that's not what they did. Yep. So uh, we could still have a Jimmy Olsen, and we may still have a Clark and Jimmy friendship. In the meantime, you've got the James Olsen storyline on Supergirl to look forward to. Exactly. Patrick O'Neill was our last respondent, and he wrote in saying, if a standalone movie happens, I would like to see the villain be Darkseid. I would love to see a battle between Superman and Darkseid on Apocalypse. I feel like that battle would be incredible to see on the big screen. Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, everyone, for responding. And now we move on to the new big question. You know, by the time the next podcast airs, we will have had uh, three or four episodes of the Supergirl TV show to look back on and decide what we like. So the question is, what do you think of the Supergirl TV series so far? Yep, uh, let a couple of episodes go by and then get on to the big question segment of our show. 
by using the big question feedback form found at the Superman homepage and let us know what you think of the Supergirl TV series so far and we will uh, read out your responses here on Radio KAL or if you'd like, you can also send in an audio response, send in an MP3 MP3 file and we will uh, play that here on Radio KAL. It's time for our comedy sketch. Uh, what did you find for us this month, Steve? Well, this time around, we have a stand-up comedy sketch by comedian Antoine Young, and he uh, has a spiel about Superman's superpowers. Have a listen. I love watching Superman, too. I love how they introduce him. They say that he's faster than a speeding bully, more powerful than a locomotive, and he can leap tall buildings in a single bound. They say he can leap tall buildings in a single bound. I was like, can he fly? <laughs> Doesn't matter how high somebody can jump if they can fly. <laughs> well, who's determining whether he's leaping over the buildings or flying over them? But someone's like, yeah, I seen his ankle. He jumped that time. <laughs> he didn't fly. And the guy said he can do them in a single bound. Doesn't matter how many bounds he took if he's leaping over buildings. Is he like, well, yeah, James, it took him about six or seven. But Superman, and he took him one. Oh, yeah, that's why James is at FedEx. There you go. Funny stuff by Antoine Young uh, for a stand-up comedy uh, sketch there. Pretty funny. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman, and that's you. And our super secret soundbite time is last month's sound came from the 1940s Superman radio series, specifically the final chapter of The Hate Mongers Organization. Let's hear that sound again. Remember this as long as you live. Whenever you meet up with anyone who is trying to cause trouble between people, anyone who tries to tell you that a man can't be a good American because he's a Catholic or a Jew or Protestant or whatever, you can be pretty sure he's a rotten American himself. Not only a rotten American, but a rotten human being. Don't ever forget that. Well, there you have it. That was uh, Superman speaking at the end of that Hate Mongers organization serial uh, on the Superman radio series. A very powerful one, a very powerful message there from Superman. And we had three people guess that correctly. They were David Huang, Patrick O'Neill, and Fred Walsh. Congratulations to those three guys. That's uh, pretty nifty to be able to work out where that came from specifically. Uh, so well done to those three fans. A bit more of an obscure... Uh, you kind of have to know that and yeah. kind of have to be very familiar with that. So good job, guys. Yeah, very good. All right, let's see if those three guys and more Superman fans can guess where in the world of Superman this new sound comes from. Oh, it's him. Well, if you think you know where in the world of Superman that sound came from, use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and send us your entry. We will read out the names of the people who guess it correctly in our next podcast. Mm, spoiler alert, it's from the pilot episode of Krypton on uh, Sci-Fi. Very good. And now our Superman song. What's that, Steve? Well, in response to our request last month for some new talent, we have a Superman song by James Caldwell. Uh, James said, uh, We were all reared on a farm at home where we gathered every Sunday night while my mum lived. I wrote all these songs before she passed away and would test them on family members on those nights. 
Sadly, my mum died from cancer, and consequently, it has made us all so much more aware of this plague on humanity. So, uh, James, uh, here's your song, uh, Superman song, uh, written in tribute to his mother, who, as he says, sadly passed away from cancer. And James wants to bring awareness to uh, all the different types of cancers, and uh, hopefully you can go out there and support a charity that helps with cancer research and uh, helping people deal with cancer. So here is his great song for his mum, his Superman song. Superman's my hero I love to watch him fly Tracing out of pattern Like a comet in the sky Guys stand and wonder
Well, there you have it. A great song by James. I appreciate him allowing to us to play it here on Radio KAL in tribute to his mother. Very nice song. Well done. All right, well, that is our show for this month. Uh, we had a lot to get through, a lot of stuff to chat about. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed the show. Remember, if you do have a suggestion for our podcast, maybe there's a topic you think we should be talking about, maybe there's a question you'd like us to put to the fans in our big question segment, a comedy sketch. We're getting thin on those now. Uh, let us know if there's a, a comedy sketch out there that involves Superman that you think we should play on here. Maybe you have a song that you'd like us to play here, your own, or one you'd like to hear being played on Radio KL that deals with Superman. We're only too happy to hear all your suggestions for this podcast. You can do that by using the KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage website, or you can email us individually. My email address is steve at supermanhomepage.com, or you can email scotty, scotty at supermanhomepage.com, and we're only too happy to hear your suggestions. But for now, that is our show. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Steve. And remember, even if people are outing you as a superpowered individual or if Batman is versus you or if you're being rescued by Batgirl every time you turn around, continue to look up in the sky. And watch out for those hot chilies. <laughs> You've been listening to Radio KL brought to you by Superman Homepage and our proud sponsor, Patrick O'Neill. <laughs>